Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I am your host, Deepalm. Follow me on Twitter at Deepalm66. Follow the show on Twitter at UDPod. You can follow the entire MTR network at, you guess it, the MTR network. You found us. Don't you dare lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere. Podcasts are given away for absolutely free 99. Leave that five-star review on iTunes. We'll read it on the air no matter what you uh, what you say about me, my teams, or um, my fanhood, which it's been a rough Rough, rough fall. Not gonna lie, it's been, it's been, it's been a, it's. You don't rank them when they happen this often, but this is up there. You, you do acknowledge that this one feels different. Um, but yeah, it's where we are now. It's where we're gonna be. And today we've got on a, a very special guest. Not special guest. Like special is the wrongest of words. Not that special of a guest, but a great guest, a good friend of the show. What up, Nada? Man, look. Um, here's the thing. I didn't think you would probably say let's. I look forward to Hawks basketball more than anything else and this is probably where you're at where you're like damn i can't wait for the hawks the hawks aren't bad like the hawks make a playoff run this year yeah exactly they will make a playoff run they may be the most excitement you get from your sports teams this year i didn't know the falcons to be fair the falcons are exciting (laughs) it's just not good if you're looking at the barometer's excitement the falcons will give you excitement you won't enjoy okay. any of it, but you'd be excited. You're, okay, you're so, How about that? Okay, so you get somewhat of a reward at least. Fair you enough. That's, that is more specific and appropriate. Yes, that's uh, very true. Hey, man, you know what I realized as I set this whole thing up? This is yeah. episode 197. Wow. Of the numbered ones. So I know like I did the, like the between two palms that were numbered, so I clearly cleared 200 at some point. But the fact that it's reached numbered 197 is very strange to me. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, look, 197 is an interesting number. 197 is like like one of those numbers that's like you've done enough to where like it, it's I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but 197 is one of those numbers where it's like, yeah, I've done enough to know what I'm doing with this and to have a format. And now we just cranking these ba- bad boys out. It's a beautiful number when you really think about it. And that's I'm, ha- I'm not complaining. I'm happy to be here. It's just. I didn't, I, it's, it's been, my life's changed a lot since this whole thing started. That's all I'm trying to say and, and think about. And very interesting. Um, before we get into any of the sports news, we're going to go into this little navel gazing because if this is sports media, then we're going to talk about sports media. And for that, I apologize. But the Dan Levitar show was faced with a uh, cut last week at ESPN. There were over 200 cuts across um, the, the family of networks, I guess the family of the business. And they came hard and heavy to the podcast field. I know Ashley Brabham was let go. She was the producer on sports, Katie Nolan's podcast, which has not come back out yet. And it looked like uh, Chris Cody was being let go from uh, the the shipping container of Dan Lebetard's show. And there was no Lebetard show for Monday or Tuesday. Although they got it ironed out Wednesday that the news dropped that Chris Cody would now be answering as Dan's personal assistant. Dan would be paying his salary and his benefits. And he's getting a raise. And so I think, like, you know more of this more than I would, obviously. But the world of sports media is a fickle one, particularly sports radio. Mm-hmm. The fact that a producer getting let go would regarding this kind of response from not just the fan base, but from his talent speaks not just to who he is as a, as a producer, but to who Dan is and how unique that situation is. Like, can you make that sound prettier than I did? I don't know if – it's just hard. It's hard to believe this happened. As someone that's been caught up in ESPN layoffs now, this is like now what about four? About three? It's been about three years since I was up there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I know people that got laid off in this last little bit. Uh, one of the producers that trained me, Seth Horowitz, he was on Mike and Mike, and he had done he had done span the gamut in terms of everything. Right. Like these cuts are brutal. They are unexpected. They are one of the because the big thing, and this is something that James Miller, who covers ESPN and is like literally, he wrote the book. These guys have all the fun. Love that so book. He was, and mind you, he's again, it's one of the greatest books that again on ESPN you can read. I would tell you that, like, as he put it, there were a lot of lifers that got cut in this. So when you have a guy like Chris Cody who got cut unexpectedly, and then Dan covering all of it, that is just so rare because there aren't got at this point as big and as competitive as that machine is in Bristol. And in everywhere, because do not get it twisted. Even in Miami, they may be a family, but it is super competitive there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's either kick-ass or else. So there was probably someone, an intern, this, at the third. Oh, Chris is gone. Maybe I can slide my slot up. The fact that Dan protected him and paid him and does more now, that's, like, a magnanimous thing that you never see. It's one of those things, like, Dan gets... Dan gets all the credit in the world because Dan recognizes something that most execs never realize how important a producer is to your show. Like if you have a producer that creates all the elements, add something to the show and, and some of the best producers that you never, again, some of the best producers that you think of, you probably maybe hear five, six, seven words on the show. Chris Cody, you hear more of, but at the same time, like we only know Chris Cody for what he does on mic. There's probably 36 million different things he does behind the scenes that we'll never hear about. And it gets taken for granted. And it, again, the one thing I do worry about when we start going forward in the sports media thing is how much do we value producers? And if you don't value producers, the quality of your show is absolutely going to take a hit. And to like throw this even deeper into the idea of sports media, when when we first got into this pandemic, um, the local station that I used to work on, and it basically they fired all their producers. They went straight to board ops and let the hosts book everything. And after about six, seven months, there's still no producers over there. Everybody's burned out. And that's what I start to worry about is, again, this industry does not value the producer. And at some point, you're just going to start churning through. You're going to see host churn in a lot of cities coming up, and well, you're going to. I think that's something that even is more powerful. What, what's going on with Lebetard and them is that yeah. how many, how much talent in this country could say that? Oh no, no, I'll find a way to pay this guy and bring him back. Like there aren't a whole lot of radio hosts who are making that kind of money who could make that kind of concession. So like, yeah, you're right, and and it's going to be worse for the industry. And it's it's just interesting to watch it happen, not even that divorced from it because. They put basically they put what happened on the air. They they announced it everywhere. Yeah. They, they walked us through the steps, and it is uh it's it's a, one of those things that gives you a little faith in that there's still some humanity in these machines, but it takes a force of will and a large enough checkbook to, to for the machines to recognize it. Um, yeah. This was gonna be a fun show as I plotted it out before Saturday night, but mm-hmm. you and I are are men of a certain age. Yes. And. <laughs> Versus, and I think someone else tweeted out, these tweets are gone now. Which they may have actually figured some things out here and gotten a little wise. 
but they announced there was going to be a Jeezy versus Gucci versus battle. <laughs> now, I don't know if we can perfectly translate this to people who, if you, if you know, no, no explanation is needed. If you don't know, no explanation would suffice. Um, this isn't rap beef. No. This isn't no. guys who, like, argued over studio time. No. And it's not like ancient history. And to my knowledge, there's never been a like public or private burying of any hatchets to the point that Gucci replied and called him the snow cone. Yeah. And called him little buddy. Like, yeah. For those who don't speak Atlanta, little buddy, it that's a fight. That is. That is. Call me little buddy. We're going to fight. Like, like there's. Like, here's the crazy part about this. Like, I want to know what Swiss was smoking when he thought, you know what? Tip can't do it. Let's go call Gucci. Because initially, this was supposed to be T.I. versus Jeezy. This is going to be like a celebration of trap music and urban legend. For the record, for the record it would have been an absolute washing of the hands of T.I. T.I. would have annihilated that poor man. Well, here's the thing. Don't I do, agree with if you. we're doing just their tracks and no, no guest verses, it's a rap because Jesus got that one album. Yeah, he's got yeah, but he one could, and a half. Fair, he could hit play on that album and step away from the board. Yes. Like here's the thing. He's got one and a half because the recession has a lot of heat on it. But if but here's the here's the thing though. Do you trust TI not to play anything? from anything after Paper Trail, because I do not. T.I. cannot be in charge of the selections. Exactly. But he has the catalog to do this. He has a catalog to go 20-0 against literally everybody except six rap- six or seven rappers on the planet. I don't However, trust him with the selection. Clippers' decision-making has been proven suspect in the past. So, so it's, yeah, you're right. That's a, that's a very fine, it's a fine line, but a distinct line. Um, so let's get back to the battle that may happen. GC versus Gucci. This cannot happen. People are like, what are you wearing to this? And everybody's like making these like jokes about like tall tees and like baggy jeans. No. I just put up a picture of a bulletproof vest because someone's going to get shot. And they're doing it in Atlanta, allegedly. Like, that. No, no. This can't happen. That's a horrible idea. No, this can't happen. What was he smoking? What were the people who decided? The entire reason the verses was even on my radar is because they're trying to get this outcast tribe called Questing off the ground. And I want to speak for everyone in the world who is, again, of a certain age. What do you think tribe's going to do? Are they going to record new songs for this? They don't have the sheer volume. We did a two-part outcast 64-song bracket, and I still got anger in my heart about some songs that were left off yeah yeah like the thing here's here's the thing with this like first things first unless this was going to be in two separate studios over zoom over instagram like the old verses a gucci versus jeezy does not work you can't be in the same room no you can't have them in the same room you have to have it on a seven second delay so that anyone worth it, again, you have to have a TV producer worth a shit on the on there. Not and also preferably not in the same city. I, you can't have them on the same coast. That I, I didn't want to go that far, but yes, you're right. I I don't want, I want them regionally separated. But like like again, the thing is like this can start a whole new like 
this is the type of thing that can shut versus down and put him, put him under an entire federal investigation. This is the thing, again, you know what this is? And you'll appreciate this reference because you are the same age as I am, or around the same age as I am. This is like playing like that little, that certain little jong so like put your hood up. And right after that, you hit a gunshots and then you got to get out the club. That's an incitement to riot. Like that, you should sue the venue. <laughs> yes. Like, no. there, there, there is like a four-year stretch that is certain songs were played in Atlanta. There was going to be a large fight, and you yeah, just that's... you knew it. It's like my like like everyone in Atlanta has a Pac-Man Jones story. My story is very short. I was at an establishment. I heard Pac-Man Jones came. You know what I did? I fucking left. <laughs> exactly. I left. <laughs> it's a short story, but an important story. One about deference to why why roll those dice. There's just no reason. No. And a tribe called Quest is a great rap group who had some great songs. Outcast changed music. I don't see who, I have an answer. I've heard an answer. I don't know if it's true. Who amongst us thinks this is a good idea? And is it people who aren't amongst us, if you know what I'm trying to ask? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. See, the thing is, I, I, again, I love Tribe, but- See, and that's the thing. You've always got a caveat with I love Tribe because what you're saying isn't disrespectful to tribe. It's just disrespectful to cast to put them on that level. And that's, I can say tribe is very good, but they don't belong in this conversation. The same way I feel about Kobe and the greatest of all time. No, exactly. And I agree with you there. Like the, the problem is like, and this is where it gets interesting. Midnight Marauders is a great album, but for, again, when someone tells me that Midnight Marauders is their favorite album or the best album ever or it's the most underrated rap album ever they're generally one type of rap fan tribe tends to to bring out the brooks brooklyn i haven't worn real deodorant in days type of hipster the gentrifiers that's who tribe tends to bring out in terms of fans it's not that's it let's leave it there that's beautifully yeah. said, beautifully stated. It's true. Um, yeah. And again, this is not a denigration of cat of, of tribe. Yes. It's an acknowledgement of the greatness of Outcast. That's all it is. Um, so you and I, we're living in the South, man. The Masters of November is fucking weird. Dog, dog. Let me put it this way: the fact that I got a man, I have to navigate. Like, think about it like this: imagine if you are a radio producer in the South right now. And the masters normally gets like when we when we start talking about prepping the show or something along the lines of that, the masters gets its own little headline. The right. fact that it's got to share the uh, share the stage with like it's got to share the stage with college football, it's got to share the stage with like and again NFL football, like CBS may not be carrying the final round of the Masters for the first time in God knows how long. How crazy is that statement to make? Think about that. Like, we're talking about, like, the Masters. And the Masters, like I said, it gets its own weekend. And yet, at the same time, now it's got to share with everything. Like, this is the weirdest, again, this is the weirdest decade that we've ever been in. And it's not even over yet. Think about that. And I know everyone likes the Masters because of the 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 pomp and circumstance, the beautiful course. I, I took my dad to the Masters one year 
We went on a Friday. It was dope. I packed in some tickets. If you can do that shit, man, it's, it's a great little experience. Yeah. Um, but for all the beauty, I challenge everyone listening to my voice. Next time you watch Masters, either live or even on tape, go ahead and count the squirrels for me. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Is that dirty little secret? Like, yo, you know, they kill all the squirrels, right? Yeah. yeah. Know, just so y'all know. And it's not just during Masters weekend. No. Mm-mm. There are no squirrels in Augusta. No. You might say to yourself, well, they've probably got some. Nope. They just nope. killed the squirrels. No. It's an elegant solution, but it adds to the beauty on <laughs> Sunday when a run is being made. That's a thousand percent. It's something no one talks about. No, no. Between that and the fact that like their pimento cheese sandwiches are really not all that good. How about all. you relax? It's like a buck. If you're gonna give me a pimento cheese sandwich, I, we're not doing. I'm not gonna sit here and defend Augusta fucking national. Okay. I'm not gonna do that. But I'm also not gonna let you do this. <laughs> but here's the thing: their right. peach ice cream sandwiches, those hit. Them peach ice cream. Nothing sandwiches. doesn't hit. You know why? Because when you're eating it, you're at Augusta. This is also true. This is also true. Would I rock with the pimento sandwich on a, if you showed my front door? Maybe. But if I'm at Augusta on like a on a March on a March weekend day, yeah, yeah. it's delicious. Everything's delicious. You know why? Because I'm at Augusta. Also true. Also true. No, and that's the thing. I see people like get the the Masters boxes dropped off their houses. Look. The ambiance is why the food tastes so good, and the price. Yes, the price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The price does. The price does help. It helps a lot. If you don't know about the price, this is the time where you can go Google it because all the jokes are true. They don't <laughs> take corporate sponsorships because they don't need them. One year, corporate sponsors went and they boycott the Masters, and the Masters said, "We'll just buy all the commercial time," and they did. <laughs> Casually. Yeah. <laughs> Think about it. That is the most exclusive club to get into in in America. I would probably say that's easily the, easily the most. Like there are, and I'm not. I'm just talking about. I'm not even talking about just country clubs. I'm talking no. about any anywhere. society you've got. <laughs> Name it. <laughs> anywhere, if you can play at Augusta, Augusta National, you have to have a certain amount of O's in your bank account, and I guarantee you it's at least eight. Yeah, it's not a couple. No. <laughs> it's not no. a few. No, it's, it's eight. It's a lot of O's. And you know what? That's how you get to kill squirrels. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> you're right. The Masters had to compete this year. It's very strange the Masters had to compete for eyeballs. They're competing now with college football, which I'm just going to do this here right now. I fucking told you so. Yo, yo, right on. Was I not on this? And anyone who would listen to me screaming for months, like this is a horrible idea. You guys are gonna get someone killed. There's no way you're gonna finish the season. And what happened? The Pac-12 players came out. They asked for um pay and they asked for racial equality. And what they get? A whole bunch of no's and come play these games. And then what they get? A bunch of cancellations. You know why? This is a bad idea. Look. Dude, like, think about it like this. The local school I'm at, uh, UNC Charlotte, do you know how many games they've missed, What whether it's because of someone else canceling or them having to cancel? 
How many? Five. Good lord. Five, Palm. Five you know what the Pac-12 them. has done this week that I just realized? No, what? Paul <laughs> was supposed to play Arizona State and Utah was supposed to play UCLA. Both those games from yesterday were canceled because Arizona State and Utah both had spiking cases. So, as a compromise, Cal and UCLA are playing today. With no prep time. They're playing each other right now as we're recording. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. That's like with no, like 24 hours of film, that's going to get somebody hurt. I don't know when they moved. I think it happened earlier this week, but still, like, no. This is a, guys, how bad do you want it? Yeah. And and by it, I do mean TV money. Let's make that very clear here. I don't mean anything but television money. Yeah, like th- that. That's the thing. They have been incredibly shameless in terms of trying to get this TV money. And literally, like the ACC was about got SEC like with this because ESPN's like, look, you guys don't play. We don't. We don't have to pay you any of the broadcasting rights. Like we get to keep all this money that we were going to pay you. So the ACC got wise. And unfortunately, because basketball no longer moves the the money for the ACC like it used to, like the ACC was like, okay, we got to play these games no matter what. It's that third. And again, that's why you see a Virginia Tech situation, which again, Justin Fuente should be fired because yes. of how poorly he's handled this. Not only because of the on-field discussions and, flirting with friggin' Baylor last year, but at the same time, the way he, the Caleb Farley situation, which no one talks about, like Caleb Farley, before he decided, yo, I'm just going to go to IMG and kick it, kick it there and get ready for the draft. He was like, they went to Myrtle Beach. And mind you, this was when Myrtle Beach was popping as a hot spot for COVID-19. Just kidding. Yeah. Like literally was popping for a for a hot as a hot spot. Players were coming back allegedly and not getting tested and were just going back to workouts like everything was all good. That's like again, if that's the, the kind of thing that we're doing here, then at this point shut it all down before someone gets killed, but they're not gonna do that. So and I just wonder myocarditis and everything else long term long term effects wise, they don't what's know. gonna happen. They don't know. And here you go. There were there were seven SEC games scheduled yesterday. How many were played? Wasn't like two or three. Three. Yeah. Bama LSU postponed. Canem Tennessee postponed. Georgia Mizzou postponed. Auburn Mississippi State postponed. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. And I bring up the SEC not just because it's the conference I love the most, not just because it's what the ACC apparently is aspiring to be all of a sudden. Um. I want to remind you in August, an SEC conference call with players and doctors leaked. Mm-hmm. Momo Sango, a linebacker at, at Ole Miss, asked the officials on the call why his school planned to bring thousands of students back to campus fall classes. Sango, Sangono said he had four classes a week, and he fears some of those classmates will go to bars and parties at night and then unknowingly infect football players during class. The answer he received shed light on the pressure that university presidents who rely on college first football for prestige and revenue face to reopen their campuses this fall. It's one of those things where if students don't come back, then there are zero chances of having a football season. Hey, guess what? They're not letting these kids back on campus after Thanksgiving. Nope. 
If your school still has kids, first of all, fucking weird. Second of all, it's a wrap because they got what they needed out of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The player kept pushing. How can y'all help us? Another member of the task force told him his mask would offer protection and he could be a role model for others to wear them. Oh, he told him to sit in the back of classrooms and not engage in close conversations. In the name of money. Like, we do a lot of gross shit in this country for money, but I feel like this is a line where, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, like, know, you know me fairly well. I love being right. This one, you, I'm not, yeah. I'm not enjoying this one. Yeah, and remember, college basketball sports start in a couple of weeks, and they don't. Look, 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 look. I know some of y'all still like little college basketball, <laughs> and that's adorable. But this shit cannot happen. It can't. It certainly cannot happen with fucking fans. Look, did I tell? Oh, have I? Oh, that's right. I didn't even get to tell you about the Duke stuff. Duke isn't even allowing print journalists to be in Cameron. See, but this is the ACC we used to know. This is the ACC that would be like, we're just like the Big Ten and that we have academic institutions. They used to puff their chests out about the Harvard of the South bullshit. Mm Mm-hmm. But the second the ACC threatened that uh, cultural money, they were like, well, the SEC is right there. We're going to act just like them. What the fuck was that? Like, that was some head-spinning shit where they sold themselves out in a way that I did not think I was not mentally prepared for. But to hear what you just said about Duke, good. Yep. They're not you know why? And this, yeah. is, this goes to a larger element as to why the coaches need to be open and honest about the precautions they're taking. Fuente should probably be fired and or arrested for what's happening in uh, Virginia Tech. But if I'm a parent in three or four years, this shit's all behind us. And the lie that you're telling me is that you're going to take care of my kids, but I have a proven track record of you not taking care of the kids before my kid. Not just in a way that, like, is normal around college athletics where the exploitation is going to happen. I'm talking about did not take the highest level of precautions against something that we knew enough about to where we're seeing models in schools where it's being pulled off. And if your school wanted to cut those corners, LSU, Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. Then why would I trust my kid to you? LSU, exactly. who's got another problem where the player was assaulted by the police and their coach didn't have his back. You want to undermine a couple of recruiting classes? There's two good real fast ways to do it. Yeah, yep. That, <laughs> like right? literally, we have to start thinking like, is there anyone that's gonna ruin their reputation in in quicker time than like build up a great then Ed Orgeron. Think about that. Coach, oh, all you have to do is say, hey, man, don't touch my kids. Like, like, again, like think about this, Paul. Like, because here's the thing. Does Nick Saban not have his kids back in that situation? Nick Saban. <laughs> oh, Nick Saban. Would have been, oh, yo, Nick, Nick, first of all, Nick would have been like, this is a recruiting tool. Let's just be real craving about it. Nick, yep. look, let's say that you don't think Nick Saban's a good person. That's fine. I don't know Nick Saban. I have no dog in that fight. Craven Nick Saban? <laughs> a, B, C. Always, always be crude, man. Man, look. Ooh, buddy. <laughs> Nick Saban, fast as hell. Oh, 
And for those who think I'm completely out of pocket, Nick Saban is a blue dog Democrat from West Virginia. Go look at his uh, financial givings towards the last, I don't know, 20 years of politicians. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> let's talk about college coaches I don't like, but actually do know. Will Muschamp gave a long defense of DJ Durkin, who is now yeah. the DC Ole Miss. Yeah. In case you're like, DJ Durkin, that name sounds familiar. Let me catch you up real quick. Two years ago, um, a report was released uh, outlining the toxic coaching culture under DJ Durkin that was brought to light after Jordan McNair died on the football field in June. He was 19. He died two weeks after being hospitalized following a May 29th workout. He shows signs of extreme exhaustion and had difficulty standing upright, but the uh, reportedly died of heat stroke during the workout and had a body temperature of 106 after being taken to the hospital. Yeah. yeah. A child died. And Will Muschamp fixed his mouth to say, I feel bad about what happened to DJ Durkin. I can't. Let me stop. Like, like, say something mean about Will Muschamp so I can just co-sign it because I can't say anything. Will Muschamp, at this point, Will Muschamp is – because not only did he say something about it, at this point, Will Muschamp needs to just go away, man. Like, I can't think of another guy that had all the – just literally everybody vouch for him and then fail upwards. Because literally, he was supposed to be the next guy after Mac. He was going to help. Again, he was going to be the next Texas coach. Then he goes to Florida screws it up worse than everybody else there, then goes to South Carolina and does worse than probably even Lou Holtz did at South Carolina. Think about how bad South Carolina and you it has been historically as a program, and you move the profile further down. And they still may keep him, Palm. That's the crazy part. Like, he, he went out and caped for for DJ Durkin yeah. and got then got his ass kicked by Ole Miss and he still may keep his job. Did you know him. he's two and five right now? <laughs> yes. Did you know he's two and five? This is what, see, this is why I like his podcast because I don't watch college football this year. So I'm going to be surprised when shit like, did you know who Bush Tim is two and five? Yes, I did. Like, you literally. That boat race last week by Texas AM 48 to three. <laughs> yeah, worst loss in the SEC in, oh in Carolina history. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. That bad. Ah, uh, he'll be inspired. Um, I don't mean that. People who know both of us just relax. It's a joke. It's a podcast. Um, I do hope he gets fired. Yeah. So we reached the point of this ex- exercise with sports where I'm in the firm. Let's never bring fans back camp. After Notre Dame beat Clemson last week, the fans rushed the field. Mm-hmm. Is the school where the president got COVID from hanging out with the other president, mm-hmm. the outgoing president, the fucking loser who is the fourth president in the last hundred years to fail to retain his presidency after one term. Mm-hmm. Is this at a certain point, the universe is like, I'm telling you what not to do, and you dumb motherfuckers. Want to do the opposite of that? Do I get to point out the like the poetic justice or in the irony that this was Clemson they did this against uh, in another semi-COVID denier like Dabo Swinney? COVID like, denier. The only reason Notre Dame won the game is because their best player has COVID. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. 
it's all so stupid. Like no one's learning anything at all in real. Like it's watching the learning curve of this plan of this country be a straight line in real time. I knew it was intellectually, but man, seeing it out, seeing it play out is really distressing. It, 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 Palm. When I saw the, uh, quite honestly, when I saw them rush the field, and I'm like, first things first, I didn't know that Notre Dame had a full house there. I, I didn't. Again, not watching. I was just as surprised as you were. <laughs> like I was surprised. Cause I was, I'm sitting there, I'm watching this, and I'm like, no, 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 no. They they didn't have a full house. That, oh no, they did. And then oh no, the players aren't still on the field. Oh no. Like you can't have fans there. No. Like like the thing that I think people like. There was gonna have to be a way this this someone needed to tell them this, and I understand that the way that this goes that certain folks aren't gonna be able to be told unless they're held legally responsible. And when I say legally responsible, I have to laugh a little bit because we're dealing with uh, we're dealing with Notre Dame and Brian Kelly on the sideline, and I also got killed a kid. Yes, exactly, and kept his job, and kept his job. Never slowed down. It's still, it's not like he took time away to reflect on when it happened. He just kept fucking coat like that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. So literally just the idea, like someone was going to need to face legal consequences for this. But I also want someone to tell them like, look, you can have TV money. You can't have ticket sales. You can't do both. Not in, not, not, t- not in 2020. No, not in 2020. Maybe next year because we know you're good, but you're not being good. Yeah, exactly. Like this is uh, this it to me it's beyond nuts because again, because I would have thought, yo, we can deal with just getting the TV money this year, even if I have to split it with the ACC a little bit. But still, the TV money's better than no money. But you tried to get fans in there, and that's just a level of greed that I'm just. I don't know why I'm shocked, but I'm shocked, Paul. Like, why? Like, why? Why Why be this greedy when you don't have to? And when these lawsuits come bouncing back at you for unsafe workplaces, this, that, and the third, and when name and likeness likely comes next year and y'all can't control it. Like, there's a lot of this that doesn't make any sense. When, like, literally, there was a chance to get behind this and say, yo, we can live with just TV money. We don't need the fans. You, you want to join me in tinfoil, tinfoil hat corner? Yes, I do. I, I kind of do. Trevor Lawrence bought a COVID test, test positive to avoid being a jet. You know? We hear a lot about the long-term consequences of his COVID testing. He may not look the same when he comes back. It's all sandbagging to get him not to play for the Jets. <sighs> it's a good one. Uh, again, I would it's do anything. It's not as I good as Eli Manning's daddy saying he's not playing for you. <laughs> Which, it, I guess, everyone forgot that's what happened with him and the Chargers. <laughs> look, I, again, here's the thing. If you really didn't want to play, just tell Dabo. Yeah, again, if you're Trevor, like, tell Dabo, like, Dabo, can you do me a favor? Just say, just say at some point in December, look, Trevor doesn't want to go to New York. Do you think Dabo Sweeney is in the business of doing any of his players' favors? 
Um, the white ones, yes. Oh, even his kid, I don't see him doing a favor for a player. Herb Street, Herb Street's kid again. The man took on Kirk Herb Street's kids. That wasn't for the kid. That was for Herb. I know, but he'll do Kirk a favor. But Who? I... Trevor Lawrence ain't got no daddy. Trevor Lawrence daddy don't matter. I'm, I, guess I'm, what? Guess what? You ain't yeah. gonna you ain't gonna fuck up my season because of your future. Also true. Also true. <laughs> I mean, like, right? Yeah, that that's also true, and it's not like. It's not like Dabo's not going to push Trevor out the door after he saw what he got in DJ. Like, DJ. Oh, we, good we good. We good. Get on out. Go on. Go on, pimp. You got it. <laughs> exactly. Three years and done. We got DJ. We got to all of this. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Um, just, we're going to go to the NFL now, but before we get into the, the bad story of the NFL, round of applause for Brian Flores. Yes. Not only doing what he's doing with, to uh, not only doing what he's doing in Miami, but doing what he's doing in breaking the Belichick family curse. Man, look. Because I look at Patricia's ass in Detroit, and boy, oh boy, it boils my fucking blood every week. <laughs> Man, look. Jim Caldwell's got to be somewhere like, this is fucked up. He, this man has as many wins. I hope Jim Caldwell never watch football again. I hope he retired to to play backgammon and relax, and maybe like build birdhouse or some shit. I hope he I hope he took his payout and walked away. I I I wish he did. I think he's quarterback coach or something. Oh, I know he is. I'm just saying. Like I wish that one of that one time one of these football guys would be like, fuck it, I don't love it that much. I'm out. Exactly. Or start or or join Quincy Avery or something like that. And do some camps for some kids. Yeah. Like, yeah, do, like do something like that. Miami, this is a real team, dog. They can win the they can win the AFC East. Man, look, I am so happy for Brian Flores because remember, because it's like we worried about what that team was going to look we like. We thought we thought they hired him to bomb the team team out. Yeah, exactly. Like this, we thought this was a blazing saddles situation where the town is that bad they had to bring bring in a black sheriff. And by the way, everything for everyone under the age of 35, Blazing Saddles is a very funny movie you should watch. Exactly. It's a must-watch. And to think it would have been even funnier if Richard Pryor actually played Cleveland Little's character. Think about what we just narrowly missed out on. The greatest movie ever. But, it's a bla- again, we thought it was a Blazing Saddles situation. We're partially right, but at the same time, Brian Flores and, and that brain trust they're set up for real long-term success because um, you know whose first-round pick they also have this year, right? Texans. Yep. And that that looks like a four-win team. So you're talking about possibly having – Speaking and, of, of, of Belichick disciples, Romeo Cornell. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And, and Bill O'Brien. What the fuck do they do there? <laughs> Which, mind you, by the way, um, fuck the Texans because of what they did to their PR person. I don't oh, know if you heard about you know, I, I, I see the floor for you in this one because this is one that I did not put on the docket, but I totally should have, and I apologize. Because, again, for those that don't realize, Amy Palchik, um was their head PR person. And she was let go, I want to say it was Tuesday. It was a Tuesday morning news yeah. dump by Schefter. And because she had garnered so much goodwill, but the reason that she it looks like she was fired was because she happened to be celebrating Trump getting not getting reelected. 
And now she's not a culture fit. And now she's not this. And now she's not that. So she's out of a job. Do you want to know what, Palm, do you want to know what you want to do when it comes to people taking it easy on you and not necessarily like you want to go away and go sneak skulk into the night and be bad, despite the fact that you don't have any of your picks to rebuild around your really, 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 really good quarterback? You don't want to fire your PR person who everybody likes. Who protected you. Yeah. And not over something as stupid as the election either. That's because not how like, the truth about his background's coming out. Yeah. Like now, like you have Jack Easterby who's clearly in over his head. Yes. And now we have rumors that, oh, by the way, he may come back and he may bring Romeo Cornell with him. Like that may be the solution because nobody really wants to work there because it's probably, despite having Deshaun Watson, the worst job to take because you're going to have to trade Deshaun Watson to get any kind of value back. Nobody wants that job. And then you fire the one person that can help soften the blows that you're about to take. And mind you, who the entire NFL media loved. Loved. And mind you, the same PR person you just fired just filed a wrongful termination suit. So what you're saying is there'll be discovery. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like, and, she, and as the PR person, it's the worst, the person you really don't want to have the the right for discovery. You don't. Like it, it, the that. crazy part is, Palm. I know that like everything with that franchise has been up in air, and basically no one's been home. The NFL needs to take a real look into that situation. I'm not saying force the team, force the ownership to sell Bob McNair's family to to sell, but I would. Something got to happen. Something got to happen because you can't have this kind of discovery because the PR person literally knows where all the bodies are buried. She handed you the look. shovel <laughs> to bury. Like this is yo. What happened? We fired our fixer. You what? What? Why would you? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we know in the NFL is ignorant. We know the NFL is short-sighted and stupid. And we also know it's racist. But we were reminded again this weekend, or this week, that's <laughs> how stupid, ignorant, and racist it can be. The NFL approved a resolution that will reward teams with draft picks if one of their minority coaches or personnel people is hired to be a head coach or general manager. The prize is two third-round compensatory draft picks if someone from their franchise is hired, promoted to a head coach or GM gig. I want to remind you, as of the recording of this podcast, there are four minority coaches in the NFL, Mike Tomlin, Anthony Lynn, Brian Flores, and Ron Rivera, and two GMs of color, Andrew Barry and Chris Gear. There is an overlap with the Dolphins who have a GM of color and a minority head coach. Hmm. And they're really good. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. The NFL put president of football operations, Troy Vincent, said that just compliments part of the overall collection of things that we're doing to increase ability among particular black coaches and females, as well as on the coach and GM front. I'm looking forward to seeing what the offseason has to bring in the hiring tackle. This is horseshit. Yeah. Remind you, 03, they took a federal lawsuit for them to give them the Rooney rule. The Rooney rule says requires teams to interview minority candidates for head coaching and senior operations jobs. They had to go to court to say white people have to interview black people. Yes. 
This is like I there's a lot of this that like this is going to fail miserably because the thing and this is like I hate to say sports imitates life, but it really does because you're not cutting through racist practices and these owners being super racist. You're not when you we start talking about messaging and how you package guys and how you sell guys and everything else like that, it goes back into you're not bypassing racism and unfortunately to get past the racism of not only the gms because the gms are going to hire those guys that they know that they trust because if they go down if they go down with the ship at least they got their boys to ride out with them there are no checks on the way out exactly it's it's known as the jeff jarrett plan yeah it it, it, actually it is yes we might as well call this old we might as well call this the anthem plan tna anthem (laughs) we might as well call it that because that's that's literally what this is. Yeah. This is this is the anthem plan. And quite honestly, like these guys aren't gonna hire guys they they don't know. Like the best, like I I think Matt Rule can be a great coach. I hated the entire way the Matt Rule hire was done here. Bro. Matt like Matt Rule was again. David Tepper said. I, I wanted a guy that I could see myself in. The minute you say that, you give up the game. Like they didn't, they hired Bianami for their token Rooney Rule interview and called it a day, and that was it. This is not going to help. You're not going to get this until Bianami steamrolls. You have to get Flores to steamroll the AFC East, which is very, very possible, mind you, to steamroll the AFC East and maybe win a couple of titles before people realize. Hey, maybe we should hire some more black folks. But until that happens, I need you. I, need you I don't see it. Eric being to me, I know you're not listening to this podcast. But if someone knows him, we're only 12% of the population. One of y'all might know him. Mm-hmm. Send this snippet out. The city of Atlanta would love to have you, sir. To me, it's the only job you should take. To me, this yeah. is the only, it's the only one. A team like, that can win now with some good leadership. I, the the only thing that scares me, the only thing that quasi scares me about when we have these conversations about the enemy is there are only two jobs that like literally he should take. Atlanta is one of them. The other is if they fire Anthony Lynn in San Diego. Oh, I thought you were going to say you should slit Andy Reid's throat and take his position. He's the captain now. Well, I think <laughs> I think honestly would it surprise you if andy reed retired next year after winning another super bowl and then give it give the reins to the enemy because that wouldn't surprise no, me no one's no one's elevated more black men in america besides uh andy reed but maybe pat riley yeah exactly like i it wouldn't surprise me like andy like andy got his money andy gets two super bowls in kansas city and then rides out the sunset and then you got the enemy god of barbecue country for the rest of his life yeah <laughs> Like, like, goes to the booth in the front office immediately, goes to GM and lets the enemy run the things. Yeah, I can see that immediately. Like, you're right. That'd be great. That. But the bottom line is this low incentivization of will you please maybe think about hiring black people? What the, like, yeah. The fact that they're addressing it means they know it's a problem. The fact that they're addressing it poorly means they think they can avoid the problem. And no. both those stances are insulting as shit. Yeah, but here's the thing. Unfortunately, this is so NFL. Like, oh, when yeah. you start thinking about this, think about how they handled domestic violence. Like, they didn't really handle it until, uh, again, the Marriott 
threaten to pull their sponsorships. They're not doing that. Like, again, it goes back to what you said about the federal, basically the lawsuit. Like, they're not going to do anything until they have to. And unfortunately, they don't have to because they know that legally you're not figuring, you're not fixing this. You can't make them fix it just yet. It's not, not, again, it's like, again, think about like their quarterback situation. How many of the best quarterbacks are black? And how often do you hear that from the media? Like major national media. Right. Like you would think that this gets brought up, like, but at the same time, people don't know how to market folks without and haven't figured out the magic way to met the yeah, cut through they're the gonna league. have to because this league is the blackening is upon us. Yeah, exactly. Like We're literally. Here. We're here. NBA, yeah, the NFL is going to have the same problem the NBA has had for years. And I can't wait to see how this how they deal with this. Because you can't cut through. Like no they learned they may learn for years they're gonna try to cater racist wise, try to cater, and then once they said fuck it, everything turned around for them. Yeah. We're gonna like, let our players be our players, let our fans be our fans, and let the rest figure itself out. And guess what? Unprecedented growth in the global marketplace. Exactly. So we'll see. If for the longest time woke equaled broke, and we saw some winds of change of that this summer. We'll see if it holds on. I don't think it will, but hopefully. No, um, are we talking about the NFC South? But I don't really feel like talking about our two moribund teams. Let's go straight to NBA rumor season. We're yeah. just north of the, of the draft, which, yeah, November. Why not? Um, it's finally here. Thank God. <laughs> it's here. Player movement season's here. We had things happening this morning. Let's start first with the biggest story out of the NBA. Oh, my God, the rock has exploded. <laughs> dude, dude. Do you have any idea, like, how bad, like, the the it fact that there like a leak off. It felt like someone was like, "Oh yeah, you want to say that? Then I'm gonna say this." It felt like, and Dude. you can tell who talks to who. Yeah, yeah. Like the whole the like whole Woj is good with the Harden camp. Like like again, you know the whole. Unfortunately, you know you know who won this thing, Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey. Like like Morey's like, yo, I'm not dealing with this. I'll quit and I'll go to Philly. Morey looked around and was like. This is a problem that I built. Exactly. I should leave. <laughs> exactly. Like he built this problem. He walks away scot free oh, and then walks away. Fire and then drove away. Like, oh, so much to keep an eye on that. That fire can really get out of control. See you guys later. <laughs> like, like Paul, here's the problem. Like, imagine trying to trade a guy that's gonna be pay- you're gonna pay forty seven million dollars to. What's the problem? You oh, can't. You, I thought you meant for Daryl. I was like, Daryl's got no problems. Daryl's got a group of people he can. He's got new people he can swindle. Exactly. In Philly, the illusion of moving forward, circling sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like, think about it. Like, Houston is, dog. Houston is in trouble. Yo, like, when the last time Houston was bad at basketball? Um. That was in between, like, Yao Ming had inadvertently retired, and they traded Tracy McGrady. That was so the like last that little time. Window. But that's that like little... 09. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. there's been a decade where the Rockies are relevant, and that decade just ended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, abruptly. For those who don't know, rumors have come pouring out of Houston 
James Harden is unhappy there because he doesn't trust anyone who's not Daryl Moore, but Daryl Moore is gone. Russ isn't happy there because he doesn't like playing with James because he's the only one who can talk to James like a goddamn grown-up, but James still won't listen to him because he's James Harden. The other players don't like it there because why would you like playing with James Harden? <laughs> the, yeah. the, the kicker for me is the vindication. Maybe like, that look like fun to play with. It doesn't look like it's fun. People have been like, no, you don't know me. The players, the other players know what he's doing. No, it's not no. fun to play with. I was right. No, no. It, 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 the thing is, like, it was, and again, Maury created this problem. Yes, when, this is all their Maury's fault, for the record. Like, this is, like, we have to understand that after a while, remember, Maury got rid of Kevin McHale when Maury, when McHale wanted to do more ball movement. And the guy, again, this is how underrated Kevin McHale was in Houston. He got Dwight Howard to buy in. Yes. I'm not so – you're not going to sit here and vilify Dwight Howard on this podcast. I, I, I can – First only, out Hall of Famer Dwight Howard. Oh, I'm not saying that he's not I'm a first out. You're, you're doing the thing we all do where we make fun of him because he's kind of a dickhead. Dickhead and immature. Very extreme dickhead. Immature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, I yeah. call him an asshole. I call him a dickhead. There's a, I feel like that – there's an inherent immaturity ingrained in the statement. Very – Fair, fair, fair enough. <laughs> but the problem is, like, the problem has always been hardened. The problem will always be hardened. And the thing is, that like, we're heading to a point where just the inevitable Simmons for Harden trade is coming. We all know but it. We don't know this is Darren's fault, though. So that's the thing is, I don't know. Like, you look at the some of the bigger moves, particularly the Russ move and the, and the CP moves. I don't know if that's a if that's a Fertitta thing. Also true. Like so, and, and so now, as as James Harden woke up one day, the only people who had built this thing that was falling apart, the only person left to blame was Fertitta. Coach gone, true. GM gone, and so like I, you're right. This is a huge win for Daryl Morey because he can now spin it as I, my hands are. I didn't want that rush trade, which it never seemed like he did. Like that's one of the reasons like I wasn't completely surprised by him leaving. I was surprised by him popping up in Philadelphia three weeks later, but. It felt like it came to a point where Tillman Fertitta, uh, due to pressures outside of his control, including the fact that he's a casino and restaurant restaurateur guy who is making no money right now and losing lots of it. Um, and, and wasn't he? And the thing is, wasn't? And this is the thing where the NBA really does need to look into this. Wasn't he kicking up money to Trump? Or wasn't Trump on record? He was on the, he was on the um, financial planning committee. Like he, he's a Trumper. Like, like there was like he's in the New York Times with all this in black oh, and white because, because he wanted to keep the restaurants open so he could keep his money. Like that, that, that it's all transactional and it all makes sense. Yes. Like there's nothing about it, like Tillman Fertitta stands like well, he must be racist. I don't know about Tillman Fertitta. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. I do know that man is a money hungry asshole, and yes. he's all his money being threatened. And as such, he acted to protect his money. That much I understand, and not like a little piece of his money. We're talking all of his money is casinos and restaurants and basketball. Like, mm-hmm. All very dependent on people being able to move. I understand intellectually what whatever he's also a piece of shit. So like me yeah. saying I understand it is not excusing in any way, shape, or form. Yes. But all I'm saying is that now we're in a place where this asset's a problem for him now. Mm-hmm. Cause they ain't got no coach. Oh, they do have a coach. They hired Silas. Steven Silas, yes. They have a, that. That's the thing. They hired a black coach and they elevated a black GM this this off season. And look at what they got to deal with. 
it's almost like the Brian Flores thing we talked about last time. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. Oh, things are going bad. Hey, black guys, you want a shot? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the rockets are exploding. The rumors are flying. Let's go to other rumors out of Oklahoma City because they're trying to figure out what to do in L.A. with the Clippers because, weird, they got a bunch of wings and no one to run the boy or no one to run the offense. It's almost like I said that a year ago. More than a year. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Time is a flat circle. Um, but now the rumor apparently is bringing back CP3. Now that you and I have watched now about 20 years of people getting sick and goddamn tired of Chris Ball's shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I like playing with Chris. He just, he wait, he, he, wore, he wears on you. Yeah. And, and it's happened. And the thing is, it didn't happen in Oklahoma City. Nope. He just brought the – he reminded the world that if you let me be an asshole, I, we can be good. Exactly. Let me run it, we can be fine. <laughs> that was the best part about it, though. And now the rumor is – who's he going to? Is it, is it Paul Jordan? I hope it's not Paul. I hope it is Paul, actually. Probably hope it's Paul. No. Do you want to know what – again, because it's funny. I thought about this name because we'll talk about the other L.A. team shortly. The champ. We'll talk about the champ shortly. Yep. Do you know who actually makes perfect sense now that they've Rondo. made the deal? Yep. Rondo yep. makes perfect yeah. sense. Rondo does make perfect sense. Do they have money for Doe? Because he's going to ask for money. That's the thing, though. I don't think they have. I don't think they have anything more than an MLE. Which, mind you, the MLE I think is up to nine. Like the full MLE is nine point eight. Yeah. It hard caps you, but nine point eight compared to what he was making, which was like, if I'm not mistaken, like three. I think yeah, high twos, low threes. Yeah. So I would would it really shock you if CP3 is not the answer, but Rondo is. Can I also go through this here? Yes. Kawhi Leonard has apparently tried to play with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, James Harden, and Paul mm-hmm. George, or Chris Paul. The only person who said yes was Paul George. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that that to me that's an interest that 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 still is very very interesting. Hmm. Like, I I don't want to say he should have stayed in Toronto. I get wanting to go home. I get wanting to not be in Toronto. No offense, Toronto. Jesus Christ, it was a joke. Yeah, no, 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 no. He's right. He, again, no one really wants to be like in Toronto because again, it snows and you're stuck indoors a lot. No, thank you. At the same time, like, Kawhi should have stayed. Like, there, there was no way that this was going to work out well for him in L.A. Think about the and think about it like this, Paul. When's the last time we've heard about an athlete going home and it actually working out for him besides LeBron? Zero. It's never, ever worked out. Because, again, when Josh Smith got drafted to the Hawks, I was going to go poorly. And it didn't for a while, but then it did. It did. Think about Griffey. Griffey's from Cincinnati. How'd that work out? I didn't That's know. like, like, we're all, yep, yep. I yep. wonder if you do a cross sports on me there. Um, speaking of wanting to leave a town, we're not going to stay on this one because who really cares about Indianapolis or Victor Oladipo. But apparently he would ask, can I come play with y'all in front of his teammates during <laughs> basketball games? That, uh, this is the most disrespectful shit I've ever heard, and I love it, and I'm here for it because – I've said it before. I'll say it again. The most boring city in America is Indianapolis, Indiana. I was there for the Combine a couple of years ago. My business partner and I are walking down the street Thursday night at 11 o'clock down the heart of Indianapolis. And we had a conversation side by side without having to raise our voices. 
It is the most boring town oh, in America. Oh, no. That's not good. But they gave us Whitlock. That's true. They did give us Whitlock. They, they did give us, like, literally, when the only thing to talk about about your town is the shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's, which is grossly overrated. Grossly. That, that, that's, that's a sign of your town. Now, mind you, I have a funny story. The only thing more disrespectful than that was, I believe, Pat Riley appealing to Alonzo Moore. Again, this is like some old school sports writers telling me right. this. But Pat Riley, while he was a coach of the Heat, appealing to one Alonzo Mourning and basically negotiating out the terms of the contract up and down the court while he's still a Charlotte Hornet. But Riley doing that. That's the only other thing I could think of that was that disrespectful and that flagrant. Look, but but Oladipo was a clown. Uh, Oladipo's a clown for that. Especially when he when one of those is apparently the Knicks. Like, when you want to leave, you want to leave. Like he worked himself into a shoot. Like now he has to leave. Oh, he has to. That's no. Did you hear about no, he put out a statement recently. No. Like, yeah, he went back on it, Palm. But his teammates heard him. I know. He's still got to leave. Like, you can't walk out. The locker room's not a fun, it's not a safe place for you to be. I agree. But at the same time, Palm, we're we talking about a dude that clearly does not deal in reality. This man thought he could do a, a, we're talking about the same dude that tried to do a Wakanda dunk with the Black Panther mask after Black Panther came on. He doesn't understand cultural relevance sometimes. And sometimes he tries to do too much. This is one of those times, and unfortunately, like, the other thing about Oladipo and all of this is he hadn't been playing well since he got hurt from that calf injury. He's not the same guy. He's no been in recovery yet. Nope. Someone will, pay, someone will pay to find out. How about that? Here's the thing. Who, do, again, of any team that would probably overpay the Clippers. To, 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 no. No. <laughs> <laughs> The Cl- see the thing is, I think the Clippers won't overpay for that. But you know who I think absolutely would, who? and it makes two. It's the Knicks. Oh well, then yeah, I'm I'm always here for the Knicks doing something dumb. Let's do that. Let's bring it up. Let's go, rock them. Let's do it. Run it back. <laughs> exactly. All for, it. All for it. Hey man, um, before we get on to wrestling to close out the show, Dennis Schroeder apparently is going headed to the Lakers in a move that I actually kind of love. I've been a fan of Schroeder since he was a Hawk. Loved watching him kind of learn under the learning tree of Chris Paul the last year in uh, Oklahoma City. You could watch him improve playing with Chris Paul. I, like, As I've talked through this podcast, I'm more okay with this move than I thought I was. 18.3, I believe it was, last season. Mm-hmm. Guys, guy can make things happen. He can run an offense. He can defer to LeBron when he has to, when, I mean, when he wants to, when all the time. He's not yeah. going to have the ego. He's, if you play with Chris Paul and no one got shot, I assume you can solve your ego. You look, uh, here's the thing. I like the move. I like the fact that they were like, look, we could either pay Rondo or we could pay a younger guy that's a little bit better. I'm here for this kind of move. What I worry worry about is now, where's your shooting coming from? I like Caruso. I don't think he's ever going to be that shooter. Kuz Kuz improved his shooting. But if they get, um, and I'm just throwing this out there as as we've been working through this podcast, if they get like a guy like Wesley Matthews, yeah, 
Oh, Schroeder, Schroeder was still 40% or 38.5% from three yeah. last season. Yeah. That's not bad. That's more than serviceable. It is. I see what you're saying. Like, you're not wrong. Like, the shooting has to come. But I think one thing that the playoffs showed us with this particular Lakers squad is that they're not going to lean on three-point shooting. They're just going to out-big your ass. Because when everyone else zigged and said, we want to be the Warriors and go small, and the Lakers were like, JaVale Dwight, JaVale Dwight and AD, get in there. They can't stop you. Like, and, and that's what happened. Like, it was like, yes, the Warriors model works if you've got Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. A lot of these teams thought they could model after that because it looks so similar. But those are generational talents. Agreed. And the Lakers saw a void and said, what if we just played really, really big? Which, honestly, if you wanted me to give advice to Daryl and Philly, look west, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Talking beat out of this three-point shit and having write people down low. Well, you know what's funny about that is we consider that that Toronto win an anomaly, but they kind of gave the blueprint. The more I think about them, more they, the more I think about it, the more they kind of gave the blueprint to the Lakers for this to work. Yeah. When you start thinking about it, because again, think about that big rotation they had. You got Siakam who goes six nine, six ten. You got Ibaka. You had Gasol. You had Boucher. You had long, bouncy guys that can defend the rim and defend pick and roll. And when we start thinking about that and start building teams, that's a lot more attainable to build than, like you said, the otherworldly shooting. And after a while, if you have bigs that can you can def- that can defend on the pick and roll, which is a impossible skill to get into, it's why a guy like Onyeka Kongwu is getting as much buzz as he is is because he's just otherworldly bright and otherworldly talented in terms of lateral movement like that's why that matters it also when you have length and the ability to move your feet it negates that shooting as well so when we start having these conversations about how teams are going to build next they're going to move away from the shooting wings are still going to run stuff but the bigs are going to come back. It's just you can't be that back-to-the-basket big anymore. No. That's a part of your game, but you're going to have to – the face-up game is going to matter, and more importantly, can you defend yeah, it? I was, over, I was overstating it with him because obviously AD is what he does outside. Yeah. I just think that a, a larger commitment to defensive rebounding, if that's the cornerstone, we can build from that. Yeah. And I think the Lakers, honestly, that's what they showed. It's like, look, one of my friends said, look, the Lakers proved all our dads right. If you're bigger than the other guy and you play good defense, you're going to be okay. Exactly. Exactly. Like I that's, think that's going to be the answer to your to your to your shooting question is they're going to let make it they're going to change the equation. And you saw what happened when they played the Rockets this year. Like, yes, were the Rockets a matchup issue there at first? Of course they were. But as the Lakers figured it out, it just became an unstoppable force. It was like, oh, well, how do you slow them down? Well, you can't. They keep getting inside. But what about our size? Well, we traded away for shooting. Oh, no. Oh, no. Exactly. So we finished up with the sports that most people are going to listen to. Thank you for listening. If you want to stick around for like a couple seconds of pro wrestling, God bless you. Welcome aboard. Because (laughs) Vince McMahon's gone crazy. Yes. He has released Zelina Vega and Thea Trinidad from her contract. Apparently, it was she knew it was coming. This is what I'm learning in the early mornings. But she was able to time her tweet to support reunionization immediately before they announced her firing. This is important because professional wrestlers are, as many people know, independent contractors. They are not employees of the companies that 
employ him. And I use that term on snows very importantly because they are employees. They're not allowed to work outside. They're not allowed to work for any other companies. They're, they're, their names and licenses are trademarked by the company that runs their lives. And now with the recent edicts and ban on third-party affiliations such as Twitch and OnlyFans, shout out to Zulia Vega, um, mm -hmm. this is what it's come to. There have been rumblings of professional wrestler unionization in the past. It's never gotten off the ground. For as progressive as AEW wants to say they are, don't say the U word around Cody Rhodes. Um, this is a weird fight to pick as his buddy Trump's leaving office, don't you think? Yeah, this is a very weird fight. Like, I I get it for two points. I get I get why it's an interesting fight to pick because as packed as and this is where like we have like this is one of those discussions we have where you can't say politics and sports can't be intertwined because it, with the courts being as packed as they are. All Vince has got to do with his lawyers at some point is pick a friendly judge and this gets spiked in terms of fighting over a union and unionization and unions being like basically eroded away to where they're they were one of the strongest forces in America and to the point where they're not anymore. They were destroyed on purpose. They, exactly. They were destroyed on Can purpose. Can I say the thing that makes me the maddest about this? Please do. I've got to now remember Andrew Yang. Like Andrew Yang had relegated himself to the dustbin of history as fringe political candidate, someone who, they said, I'm with the Yang gang, I can dismiss as a serious person. Mm -hmm. Now, because he's taking up a torch that needs to be picked up by someone competent, but unfortunately, Andrew Yang's got it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be on his side. I know. But here I, I get am. it. And it's important to note that um, Zelina Vega was also tweeted at by the president of the uh, Screen Actors Guild saying, thank you for standing up for yourself and please email and reach out to me. We've seen what she did in the ring and outside the ring over the course of the pandemic. Her talent and ability and drive is unmistakable. Whether it's in wrestling or somewhere else, she's going to be fine. But now, you get talent like Paige saying, well, I want to continue my Twitch stream. I gave my life to this company. I gave my neck to this company. Yep. And for the company to then say, yeah, but every one dollar you make ever again is for us, it's ugly. And I don't know how it ends. I don't know what, I don't know what the plan is for Vince. It's normally, say what you about the crazy madman that is Vince McMahon, he has something of a plan. This one feels incredibly short-sighted. It is the wife of one of your current contracted talent. If you wanted to bust unions in your locker room, firing the allowed person and letting her husband stay is not a great way to do that. Nope. Um, and and not get caught for literal union busting, which is also illegal. Like, it like, is. If we had a labor secretary worth the damn, those tweets in that timing conjunction is a pretty good case by Selena Vega for union busting firing. Yes, it is. But here's the thing: when you can, when you know the courts are most likely going to rule in your favor because the person that put them there happens to be your homeboy, like. You make you feel kind of untouchable, right? But at the same time, this could be the tax evasion that brings down Capone as well. <laughs> because, like, and this is something I asked with, because again, as soon as this happened, uh, again, me, I talked to a friend of the show, Rich Fan, and Rich was like, she's had, again, we all know once that non compete is up, she's going to AEW. We all know that. 
I don't know if she's going to, I mean, she might go to wrestling, but she might not. Like, she might not, but again, the thing is, I think she's, again, to get multiple revenue streams, and unfortunately for her, in her line of work, you need, you can't just rely on one revenue stream to just consistently feed you. She's going to need that wrestling check. She may not be wrestling as often, but at the same time, she's in Florida, AEW's in Florida. Yeah, no, no, no wrestling, wrestling is, wrestling is more than just uh, taking a bump. You're right. Yeah. Like, she's going to need that, those multiple revenue streams. She's going to AEW. It's just a matter of when her non-compete is up. But in terms of Vince, this is, like, I agree with you where this feels incredibly short-sighted and this could come back to bite him. I also think he doesn't care. That's, and that, I think that's the second one's where I was leaning more, that he just doesn't care at this point. Let's talk about the inverse of good and bad with AEW and WWE because WWE put Sasha and Bailey on free TV, and it was the highest-rated segment of all professional wrestling through the course of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop and let you think about that for a second when I just said. Every star, every hero, every heel turn, every big match, every unbelievable finish, every cliffhanger, all surpassed by Sasha Bailey. I make fun of WWE, and we all do, because they take things and make them corporate mottos. But their dedication to making the top of the women's division matter, it's worked. Yeah. Like, that's the crazy part. Like, when we start having these conversations about this, like, until Sasha Bailey, like, the thing is, during the pandemic, the only thing I cared about during wrestling was Sasha Bailey mm-hmm. and the golden role models. Every part of it, it was money for me. Mm-hmm. The only other thing I've cared about since has been Roman and the head of the table storyline. Yes. Everything else could, could be left on the table for me. I, and I, I feel differently, but I, I do think the top of the table has been the golden little models. Yeah. It's been the meta stuff they've done online. It's been the interaction with other talent outside the company. It's been the stuff on the screen. It's been top to bottom, really well done, and Go watch last week's Mandalorian because this is the fucking way. Good job, Sasha Banks. Um, yes. On the other side of that coin, AEW followed up a very, 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 very good pay-per-view with a tel- episode of television that could have been very good, but sticks out for the wrong reasons. Um, and I'm, oh, I'm going to butcher the young lady's name. What's the young lady who came out um, opposite Cody on AEW? I'm, I, I just cannot remember her name for the life of me. I am so sorry. No, no, you're fine. So Cody Rhodes came out and was announcing his new intentions. So Cody Rhodes could not compete against um, for the main title ever again and was able to come back for the uh, TNT title. And now he was going to come out and explain why he was going after MJF again. And he was interrupted. He's interrupted by a newly arriving female black talent. And this is important because we've spoken ad nauseum about the dearth of good female storylines in AW. That's been admitted mm-hmm. to by the cons, by Cody and them. Like this is not talking out of school. And the same token, a woman of color. Very important because we've talked again about you know, the fact that we haven't seen that many people of color featured in AEW programming. Yeah. Is everything I said fair so far? Oh, no, more than fair. More than fair. Okay. Now, they bring the young lady out to interrupt Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. 
and she does a pretty good job, pretty cuts a pretty good promo about how Cody's not a giant. Jade Cargill, thank you. God bless America, the internet helped. Jade Cargill comes out, fitness model, professional wrestler. She had a WWE tryout, I think, last fall. She ends up in a W multi-year contract. Good for her. Pay the boys. Now, she comes out and delivers a pretty good promo, previewing that Shaq should have come out and wrestled Cody, which should have been the highlight of the segment for a segment yep. of fans. For me, there's no, it's non-starter. I don't like wrestlers and non-wrestlers interact. It just doesn't work for me. Everything seems stiff, and I'm always worried someone's going to really hurt. But then Brandy Rhodes comes out. Brandy oh. Rhodes, who we've known in the wrestling space since call it 2014. Brandy Rhodes has always been herself as, um, even as Eden in WWE, as a businesswoman, as someone who's very laced up and, and proper. And even when she was doing the Nightmare Family shit this, this uh, earlier in the, uh, this year in Dynamite, where it didn't yeah. really land and they abandoned it, but she was kind of like a cult leader. Yeah. She's never been this. And by this, I mean, and I mean this, I don't know how to put this the other way, a caricature of a black woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Head rolling, finger snapping, you better, all this bullshit. Like, we, if it was someone who we didn't know, or if it was like someone who had established this, if Big Swole came out and delivered that, that works. Because that's who Big Swole is. Exactly. When Brandy does it, it feels like. It feels like a black woman. It feels like a joke on black women. It does. And Brandy's not. Brandy's never been that. And it goes back to a line from Pimp C that he used about Young Jeezy. If you're going to be a cartoon character, be a cartoon character all the way. Brandy's never been that character. So putting her in that situation and doing that was the worst look imaginable. But it, it goes back to this diversity thing that we talk about. Like, and for as progressive as AEW says they want to be, they fail miserably at this time and time again. And these are self-inflicted wounds for someone yeah. that you're trying to say is can it want if you're trying to say you are alternative program to AE to WWE, then you have to nail these steps. You have to. Like for everything that I love about AEW, I loved Eddie Kingston, John Moxley. I love the storytelling. I love all that. I'd like to see more black characters that we that I don't normally see, like the Darius Lockhart's of the world. I'd love to see those guys over there. But I know I can't trust again, they're not going over there because they know they can't trust the booking. And if they can't trust the booking, and clearly with Brandy Rhodes, then why should I consider you guys alternative programming? Like at some point, it's got to change. It's got to change. We'll see if it does. And that's all you can do is pro wrestling, man. It's, it's be back next week. Um, the greatest night in history of our sport. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully, they can turn that around. But tip of the cap is Sasha and Bailey. Like, they put on a program that carried pro wrestling through the pandemic. And, yeah, um, basically until Roman got back. They yeah. they held up the show. They were, they were They were the main event. And they're doing it across all three brands. It was just... One of those things that you, I tried to point out while it was happening, but it's really impressive, especially in retrospect. Nada, man, tell everyone where they can find you, man. Tell them all the good things that you're doing and if they want to keep up with you online. Um, You can follow me at um, Nada the Scrub on Twitter. Um, I basically do everything. All my work is out there. Um, 
You can catch me on WFAE on it, it's the Charlotte NPR station right now. I am the producer of All Things Considered. I so I do there'll be some local stuff there. We do some sports. We do a little bit of art. We do a little bit of life. We again, you want a better idea of what Charlotte is, then we're that's what we're gonna try and do with Charlotte All Things Considered. Outside of that, like again, you'll catch me occasionally on this podcast, rabble rousing with Palm. And again, this is like my fifth or sixth episode with him right now. At this, this is point. way more than that, by the way. It, it, you're probably right. It's a lot more. Than <laughs> but, still, um, but still, like, like again, you'll catch me here. So that and oh, and I do locked on Hornets. Um, at least we do it at least four times a week. And again, talking to local Charlotte Hornets, man. Man, I do appreciate you coming on, man. I want y'all to know, man. I've known this man digitally for like three or four years now, and watching him. Watch all the good things that are coming for him. Y'all need to get involved, man. Just, just pay attention. This man is doing big things, and he deserves it, man. He's worked his ass off for it, man. Thank you for coming on. That was your show. He's 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 stunned silent because I was being nice to him. Yes, there is no outro. See you guys next week.